For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. the night of the ball game. Brandon Marcus here, joined by my co-host Matt Matta Warren as we're going to break down the Clippers' loss to the New York Knicks in the Garden and James Harden's debut. But before we get there, Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports ethos, Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? That's right. It's Monday evening. I uh, had a few scary moments on the road trying to watch the beginning of the game on my home, on my phone as I was coming home from work. Maybe not as scary as the fourth quarter, but scary nonetheless. Yeah, not great. I listened to the first quarter with Carlo Jimenez um, on the call. Um, so it was nice to listen to him because I didn't listen to him really because Noah Eagle, obviously, did a tremendous job the last couple of years. I didn't really get a chance to listen to Carlo, who went to USC and will be on this podcast, by the way, at some point here in the coming month or two. Um, we both were in the same at the same radio station at USC. So a fellow KSCR slash KXSC alum. So he'll join us um, on the pod. It was great to hear him. A good call there from Carlo and then got home. Had to uh, do some stuff for the kid and then got a chance to watch a little bit of the fourth quarter, um, the final six to nine minutes or so. Um, it wasn't great. It wasn't it wasn't great at all. Um, I know we didn't get a chance, actually, to do a podcast after the Laker game, um, one in which really the rare occurrence where all the good players do well. I mean, Kawhi, PG, Anthony Davis, LeBron, uh, PG had a tremendous ball game but got into foul trouble. Zoo got into foul trouble, and really, I think you just chalk it up to those two guys getting in foul trouble, which is the reason why the Clippers end up losing that game. But tremendous fight. Um, some brief words from you on that Laker game, because I know we didn't get a chance to do a podcast, but I'd be rest- remiss if we didn't actually just touch on it briefly before we get into tonight's contest. Uh, it was it was one hell of a game uh, from from start to finish. The Clippers obviously started off super strong. I watched the game um, at a restaurant bar with a couple of friends of mine. The game was so good, I actually fell out of my seat as we were trying to take a picture uh, or a selfie of, of each other, of ourselves. So that was embarrassing, but not not so embarrassing that it ruined the evening for me. And the loss didn't ruin the evening for me because I was, in, I was encouraged by the Clippers' fight by how, you know, for the most part, they were able to handle a lot of what the Lakers threw at them until late when fouls really became an issue. Austin Reeves got it going. And the big takeaway from that game, and this is not going to be telling any tales out of school here, but Anthony Davis went right, and we saw him um, go down today with what seemed to be groin spasms. He uh, He's a problem. Yeah. So Anthony Davis is a big problem for everybody in the league, the Clippers uh, in particular, we saw it. But all in all, Paul George was bully ball, dominant Paul George, which he was not tonight. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was awesome, which he was sort of, nah, not really tonight, but... Uh, I did enjoy the game in general, and it gave me 
at least that game, speaking of the Clippers-Lakers game, that gave me some hope about the Clips uh, possibly seeing the likes of the Lakers or even like the Suns. Just it, come playoff time, at that time I was very enthused. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a good Laker team. And we talked um, earlier a couple podcasts ago about how the Lakers need to show or that the Clippers need to show that they can compete and win the games against good teams. And they didn't win. Um, but, I mean, a, a shot here, a shot there, a foul there, a foul the other way, and the Clippers come away with a win in that game. So um, definitely a lot to be encouraged from what we saw, but at the same time, um, a very different team the next time when these two teams face off that we saw on Wednesday. I mean, you have James Harden and now P.J. Tucker into the mix, Mason Plumley, who knows how long he's going to be injured uh, four after leaving today's game, and it didn't look like it was a minor thing. So that's never a good thing when you see a knee sprain because normally a knee sprain um, is, I mean, I think a sprain is actually a tear. So, I mean, that could always be something that could be longer term. So hopefully crossing your fingers, it's not anything major. But, yeah, I, I thought there's two great teams battling, and the Clippers have won 11 games in a row against um, the Lakers, and the Clippers, I believe, went into that one as – five-point underdogs, uh, and they ended up fighting and nearly winning that game. And let's also not forget that it was the second night of a back-to-back, and we saw Kawhi and PG both play in that game. So I think that's also a really good takeaway from that game is, granted, there was a bunch of time off between that Wednesday game and then tonight's game, so perhaps that had something to do with it. But seeing Kawhi and PG play in the second night of a back-to-back and play big minutes is certainly encouraging. So some some encouraging signs, and we're trying to stay positive on the pod. And yes, you lose a game, but you mentioned a couple of encouraging signs. And I think that, I mean, you look at the minutes that were played, Kawhi, PG, being right there with two guys and LeBron and AD that are two of the best players in the NBA. Um, and LeBron, yeah, I mean, LeBron was unconscious at certain points. He this is, That's a LeBron that really comes out ever so often now. It, it used to be a thing every single night, but it's not the case anymore. So some encouraging signs, and now that leads us into tonight's game, where there was certainly a lot of optimism coming into James Harden's day, James Harden day, James Harden's debut. I don't know why that was so hard to say, but Vegas thought the Knicks were going to win. I mean, the Clippers came in as one and a half point underdogs in this ball game, and the Clippers were solid um, in the first half. We knew that it was going to take some getting used to with. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kawhi, and PG all on the floor together, but they looked okay in the first half. But in the second half, it was just bad, and it really is a couple of things that stand out that really tell the story. And you look at rebounding, and the Clippers got out-rebounded 48-31, to and offensive rebounds 18-7. to And normally you can look at the total rebounds and say, okay, well, if you miss more shots, the other team's going to get more rebounds, sure. But offensive rebounds, the Clippers got demolished there. You look at what Mitchell Robinson did, nine offensive rebounds, and that just gives extra possessions. And what does that mean? More possessions, more shots. And the Clippers actually only made five less shots, which is obviously a decent total, 41-36. But look at attempts, 88-73. to And rebounding will do that. You know what else will do that? Turnovers. And the Clippers committed 22 turnovers, Five from Zoo, which you don't see very often. Four each from Westbrook and PG. And then three each from Norm and from Bones. So the Clippers were turning it over too often. And they weren't rebounding the basketball. And guess what? Turnovers is certainly something that you can work on. 
I mean, that is certainly something where you can value the basketball and take care of it and just not turn it over. And you can focus on that. Rebounding, though, is something that, yes, you can work on because it's a lot of effort. But at the same time, my biggest concern from this game, and I'm curious to see if you agree, um, is that the Clippers' size kind of showed that you don't have Rocco, you don't have Batum, you don't have Marcus Morris. Mason Plumlee gets carried off after the collision with Julius Randle. And now you're starting to rely on guys that have no business playing, like Musa Diabate ended up playing six minutes. And you look at P.J. Tucker, 11 minutes. And if you end up losing Plumlee for a long period of time, rebounding certainly going to be an issue. So that's, I think, my biggest takeaway from this game. Curious if you agree or if you've got something else that uh, stood out. The rebounding stood out uh, like a sore thumb. I will give you one or a couple of stats here just about the offensive rebounds. And this is from our guy, Tommy Beer, at Tommy Beer on X. So offensive rebounds this season, the Lakers have 55 as a team. The Wolves have 50. The Rockets have 45. Mitchell Robinson has 45. Jesus. So I'll let that sink in. So offensive rebounding, of course, is a problem, but we did go up against a guy who has as many as the Rockets as a team have this season. Um, (laughs) That's a little wild. But but you're right, but it's an outlier because the size did show, and I I think what it goes to show is, yes, of course it hurts giving up uh, Rocco, uh, and Batum, and I guess senior to a to a to a certain degree, all three of which of whom, by the way, played tonight for Philly uh, in limited minutes, but they they all did play. But I do think it really goes to show, and especially especially if Plumlee's out for any elongated period of time, and even if he's not, it just it just seems that the Clippers aren't done making moves, right? Like this. This probably can't be the final product, especially especially during the playoffs when things slow down and rebounding becomes so important and everybody's not running and gunning and pushing. Not that this was a run-and-gun game, because it certainly wasn't. The, the first-half score would indicate that. But I just think that, yeah, I mean, if you look at all the final stats, the thing that really stands out, of course, is the turnovers, though the Knicks did have 19 themselves. So it's not as if... yeah. It was it was not as if we had that many more turnovers, but the rebounding is 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 going to be quite a factor. And if we're looking at PJ Tucker to be the small ball five, well then, and we know T. Lou T. Lou loves his his small ball lineups, but if we're looking at PJ Tucker against against the Mitchell Robinsons of the world, right? Because you are going to go up against people like that in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, that's going to need to be addressed. Yeah, and listen, um, it's been only a couple of games. I don't like PJ Tucker. I just, I just think that he's old. I just don't think he's the guy that he was before. I hope to be wrong about him, but the less PJ Tucker, the better, in my opinion. Um, he contributes nothing offensively. He's not what he was defensively. And to get one rebound in eleven minutes, I mean, it's, it's if especially if he's going to be a small ball five, that's going to be a problem. Um, we will get some post game quotes, by the way, as we're recording, since it, the game just ended and. So Ty Lu did say that he'll have a better idea of how this is all working after 10 games. And that's normally how he operates is he goes in 10 game sample sizes and he says he's not worried about the rebounding when the starters are on the floor with Kawhi, Russ, PG and James Harden. He said he's more concerned about the second unit rebounding. And that's even more so going to be an issue if Plumlee's hurt for a long period of time. And he's going to miss some games. No doubt about that. If you have a knee sprain. So to your point, 
what does that mean for the second unit? Does that mean that P.J. Tucker is going to be the small ball five off the bench? Or does that mean more Musa Diabate? And, mm-hmm. Or does that mean, like you said, that this roster still has something that needs to change? But to that point, the Clippers did make some moves this morning that were very, very baffling, where they ended up getting Josh Primo that he, I don't know what type of contract he was signed to. I apologize. I should have looked it up before we actually uh, recorded. But basically, he's spending his time, I believe, in Ontario, where and Xavier Moon is going to end up being with the, with the Clippers. And so you have two guys that are both guards that you are signed this roster that doesn't need any more guards. You look at Bones, who's barely going to see minutes when everybody's playing heavy minutes in the postseason, and you're signing more guards. So you have Bones, you have Norm Powell, you have Harden, you have Westbrook, you have PG, you have Kawhi. I mean, you don't need more guards. You need a guy who can be that wing or a big man. I mean, there's that's what everyone was looking at. Was, was are you going to get a big man that's going to be a center, backup center, which now you might need, or are you going to get a small forward slash power forward? And the Clippers' baffling decision to get two more guards to their roster confusing um i'm not sure if you were as confused or if you think that actually makes sense for their roster it doesn't really make sense at all unless converting primo's contract uh to a full nba contract is is it's it's just to include him in a trade right Mm -hmm. like i don't i don't think he's i don't think there's any chance he's going to see the floor over guys like norm bones uh just uh, anybody on the bench so it's a little strange. The last thing the Clippers need are two more guards. Although, if you can include that contract in a trade, I guess that maybe is why you do it. But baffling is certainly the right word because I didn't, I didn't quite understand why, why that was the move. So I, I don't have a good explanation for it uh, unless they can include it, those contracts or or at least primos in a trade. Yeah. And other than that, I don't really know. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's very weird. And I don't know what that means for um, what happens if they need to sign a big and who that big is going to be. But I think rebounding is the biggest thing that we saw today that could be an issue. And a very un-Zoo performance, unlike Zoo performance today, where he was a minus 18 in his 30 minutes. How many times have we come on this podcast and he usually has one of the best plus minus, but he had the worst plus minus on the team along with James Harden and Plumlee was a plus 10. So Plumlee did really well in these rotations, but you got to remember that Ty Lue was tinkering. He was doing some weird stuff where he was bringing in Plumlee way earlier than he normally does. He was bringing in Plumlee to close a quarter. So it's very different from what we're used to. And here's my biggest overall takeaway. And we already made our points about the rebounding and how turnovers can certainly be be cleaned up. My biggest takeaway Wait before you go, go, and I know you're really happy to happy to say go. your biggest takeaway. Can I guess what it is? I bet it's the same as mine. Let's hear it. Just from doing this podcast for over a year together, and you can tell me if I'm complete, if I'm completely off base on this, but I think the biggest takeaway. Do you mind? Do you mind if I guess? Yeah, yeah. It's that this is why you do the trade now. Yeah. Because you now, this is what happens in game one, and we now have the full season to get these guys acclimated together and see if there is more tinkering done with the roster. If that's what I think. That's my biggest takeaway is, am I am I anywhere in the 
ballpark. Yep, 100%. And, and it, you stole exactly what I was going to say. I did, I'm sorry. I did tweet it before, so I'm not sure if you stole that from my tweet or if you uh, are just that smart. And I think it's a combination of both. Um, but here's my what one more on to that because um, you're spot on is that this is why you do the trade now. And I said that if you didn't do it to when the season started, you probably don't do it until the trade deadline. But you and I talked at length last year before the trade deadline how important it was to get the trade done earlier so we can get see more of a sample size and get guys integrated. Listen, the Clippers have played six games. There are 76 to go. That is plenty of time to take the regular season seriously while also figuring out rotations. This is not going to be something where he's going to figure out rotations for the next 30 games. It'll be a smaller sample size. The Clippers will have their stars ready to go. That's why you do the trade now. And one more thing to add on to that is that I'm not overreacting to one game. I'm just not. Because it's the first game that you're incorporating James Harden into a starting lineup that has been together for half of last year and then part of in the beginning of the first five games of this year. So we don't know how Harden and West are going to work together. Those two guys haven't played together for a while um, since OKC, and it's going to take a little bit. Um, and I'm confident that Ty Lue's going to figure it out. Now, that being said, I think it makes more sense to stagger Harden and Westbrook as much as you possibly can because having Harden off the ball, I think, was detrimental to the Clippers today to start the game. He did not attempt a shot, Matt, in the first quarter. Like, that is something that cannot happen. Harden is a very good basketball player. He is one of the best scorers of the basketball in NBA history. And he ended up 6 of 9, 2 of 4 from 3, 3 of 3 from the line. And he got 17 points. None of those came in the first quarter. It was really Westbrook that had the great first quarter and first half. So that's the biggest thing that I think Ty Lue needs to figure out is how to get the two of them to work together, but at the same time, how to stagger their minutes as much as possible, Matt. And I do see the tweet now, so now I feel dumb because I was even mentioned in that. But Oh, look at you. You didn't even see it before, so bravo. I mean, if you didn't see that, listen, uh, I'm giving you 100% credit there for nailing exactly what I was going to say. Well done. Uh, oh, well, thank you. And although I probably should have seen that you since know, my name was in it, but <laughs> having said that, I agree with you 100% that – and Harden, Harden was uh, a bit – differential in the in the first quarter and by a bit i mean he didn't take a shot like you yeah. said and then as he showed though that he still has the offensive chops he hit a he had a deep three he had some some mid-range games where he was kind of pushing guys off and doing his little fadeaway deal that that he's that he's world famous for but this is all or not this could all change when terrence Mann comes back i mean we don't mm -hmm. know exactly what this rotation is going to look like especially with the second unit if if russ eventually moves to that second unit, you know, after the, the Tyloo 10 happens, but it is, it is going to, it's going to be a work in progress. And this, like you said, I don't want to overreact to this game and this is going to sound like an excuse, but it's not, but man, momentum is a crazy, crazy thing in a basketball game because once Dante DiVincenzo got a couple of steals and hit a three or two, I mean, that crowd wasn't going to let the Knicks lose. So I, I I, I, can't take too much out of this game negatively. 
it's just it raises more questions but this is why Tai Lu and his staff now have all this time to answer those questions hopefully and I do think that Westbrook and Harden they both played 31 minutes tonight they both started together I don't think that that's going to be the the lineup moving forward and staggering is going to be a huge 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 thing for this team I, I really want to see Westbrook on that second unit I mean if you if you look at the backup point or backup guards, right? Norm Norm played well. He in fact kept the Clippers in it for a while mm-hmm. with with some big threes, and then Bones coming off the bench didn't really do all that much. So this the whole guard rotation, as much as we talk about the bigs, the guard rotation is going to be a huge a huge deal moving forward as well. And to further your point, James Harden scored 15 of his 17 points with Russell Westbrook off the floor, according to Justin Russo, our friend at Fly By Night on Twitter. So that tells you a lot. It tells you that having the two guys on the floor together may not work and it may not be the best idea. So you and I predicted that we thought Terrence Mann would start and Russell Westbrook would come off the bench when T-Mann was healthy. I'll be curious to see how long it takes for Ty Lue to figure that out, that that's going to be the best play. Because I don't think it's great to have all four of those guys on the floor together at the same time to start. But I do think it makes a lot of sense, and we had discussed this, having Russell Westbrook come off the bench and provide that juice and get those other guys around him like Norm Powell and Mason Plumlee when healthy, Bones Highland, and get those guys ready to go and... I think he'll just provide juice to an, a second unit that's probably pretty lifeless when you look at the guys that are on the floor. Like none of those guys really stand out as ton guys that are going to bring the bring the juice every single night. So if you have Westbrook coming off the bench and you start Team Man, I think that'll make a lot more sense. So we'll see if Tyloo does that. But you look and you see that Harden scored 15 of his 17 with Russell Westbrook off the floor, and you can understand why, because that's part of the issue, Matt, is that Harden needs to have the ball in his hands. Like, I I saw before the game where Harden was going to be off the ball and that Westbrook would be the point and that Harden's going to play off the ball and we'll see how that works. Like, that's not who he is. Like, you're you're having him be a guy that he's not. And you heard him even in the press conference where he said, I am a system. Like, yes, he says I am a system because he has a certain offense that he's able to run and you can't run a system or you can run a system around him. But if you run his system in terms of him being able to attack the hoop and get others involved, then it works. I mean, Russell Westbrook does the same thing, you know? So I think those two need to be separated. And that's another thing that I think has come out of this game. It's only been one game. So these guys can certainly figure out how to play together, but you and I had talked before how it made sense to stagger them. And I think we saw that today. You got to stagger them. You're right. A lot of the things that they do, I mean, they're two very ball dominant players. Obviously, yeah. two, of the, two, two of the guys with the highest usage rates of all time, right? Historically, in the history of basketball. Yeah. And then Kawhi and Kawhi needs the ball too. And and then there's the Paul George thing where it's like, okay, he was two two of eleven from tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had four turnovers. I mean, it was funny. Uh, in in the first quarter. Harden had two really cool passes to to Zoo as Zoo was diving to to the rim. I think he got fouled on one of them and whatever happened. And then on the next trip down, Paul George tried to make a similar no-look pass to Zoo and it went right into Jalen Brunson's hands. So it was just not the same thing. Um, But, you know, Paul George is going to have to learn how to play his 
quote unquote bully ball, like he said, with Harden as well. And I think this is this is just there's gonna be a bit of a learning curve. You know, he's still three steals, speaking of Paul George, seven rebounds. He was still perfect from the line. So, you know, he let's say he's six of 11. Well, then it's a completely different story. You know, perhaps the Clippers don't still don't win, but maybe they do. So it's it's just it's just going to be a little bit of growing pains, a learning curve. And I do think, like like you said, the staggering of Westbrook and Harden is going to be the biggest thing lineup wise, the health of Plumlee and what the Clippers do in terms of PJ Tucker as a quote unquote big Musa Diabate is hopefully not the backup big um, as much as I love Moose and just sort of finding what rotations work. You know, Norm, Norm was in there and he, he was forced to put up a few shots. He was wide open and made him, but the ro- the rotation is it's, it's going to take, it's going to take some work, uh, and that's to be sure. But I wouldn't hang hang your head if you're a Paul George fan, which we all are. I just think this was a little bit of an off night. He still played 34 minutes. He just he just didn't have it as far as shooting is concerned. 11 shots. We can we can bring that up. But you know when you're not making any, it tends to happen. When we've done this podcast so many times, it feels like we lead each other into our next points. And literally the next bullet point that I had on my notes on my phone, um, it read the exact words of PG passive. And that's a problem because, dude, PG was the best player on this team for the first five games of the season. Like, he was absolutely dominant. He was one of the best scorers in the NBA coming into today. And he was efficient. He was confident. He was shooting a bunch. And that's been the biggest issue with PG is that he does have a tendency to kind of take a back seat at times. And he said, remember, he said that I'm going to be that 1B or that number two to Kawhi's number one. Like, he admitted that he's going to be the number two. Now, what happens when you throw in James Harden into the mix? Then he kind of thinks probably he's the number three, which is not what you want. And that's another negative of having Russell Westbrook in the starting lineup with James Harden, is that it's just another person on the floor that needs the ball. Terrence Mann does not need the ball. So if you're able to start PG, Kawhi, Harden, and then Mann and Zoo, two guys that can work around those three, I think that just works a lot better. And my biggest thing with PG is that he needs to be aggressive at times, and he's a tremendous shooter. And then even Kawhi said at postgame, he was asked about being um, kind of off in the distance at times and not really being the aggressive th- uh, guy that he can be. And he said post game today that that's going to happen when you have four guys that want the ball as much as they do, then you just got to be ready for when it's when your name's called. And that's going to be the, the tough thing. And that's that really is what people when people say there are mm. only there's only one ball to go around. And how does everybody I mean, they all need the ball. How is it possible when there's only one ball to go around? This is what they mean, because there's only one ball to go around. But PG Kawhi. Russell Westbrook and James Harden all need to shoot. And so how do they figure that out? And I think that's going to be really difficult to figure out. But at the same time, yes, there's only one ball, but I think they can figure out how to make it work with only one ball by staggering the lineups. It's a little concerning, though, I think, um, Kawhi saying that just because 
one thing one thing you fear is a your turn my turn yes situ- situation happening and that that's kind of sounds like what he said there I, I i don't necessarily like that line of thinking it's a that's a little concerning to me yeah and that's tough it, it really is tough i mean when you when you try and figure out how do you work together and make it so that i mean do they all think they need to have between 10 to 16 shots like or are there going to be nights where some of them, one of them has six shots and one of them has 22? Like, I don't know. Which one would you prefer? Would you rather it be that Harden, PG, and Kawhi all have about the same number of shots? Or, like, hey, it's Kawhi's night. No, it's, it's whoever's night. Because you look at a team like Boston, for example, and Jason Tatum most likely is always going to be the guy that takes the most shots. And then you've got Jalen Brown and you've got Porzingis. So how is that going to work with Harden, PG, and Kawhi? Like, is it going to be... Harden has the most shots one night. Kawhi is in most shots the next night. Then PG. I don't know what the ideal setup is. What do you think the ideal setup is? I think, I think there's a hierarchy that, that it's Kawhi and Paul George. They're the guys. Harden is a first ballot, no doubt Hall of Famer. Great setup man. Great offensive player like we're talking about. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to crunch time and even going into that fourth quarter, it's like, okay, now we need PG and Kawhi to be PG and Kawhi. Mm -hmm. And Harden Harden can set them up and maybe he's hot and maybe, you know, and maybe uh, to the Celtics thing, maybe Porzingis is hot and he's been great this season. But really, I think Harden had nine shots, Kawhi had 16, Paul George had 11, Westbrook had 13. I think it needs to always be not always, but I, I would prefer it to be George and Kawhi as as the top dogs, especially when the game sort of if it grinds down to a halt come playoff time or a close game. And I I I don't think you can you can, but I I guess I'd prefer it not being every night is sort of a different star or a different flow like i think there needs to be some consistency with pg-13 and Kawhi being the guys with Harden, westbrook norm you know Zoo, zoo's going to do his thing but those guys sort of not being the secondary options necessarily but we just know that it's pg and Kawhi are are, are at the top of that totem pole i agree um i agree 100 percent. i think you need to have kind of your guys that you know are going to be the ones that are your go-to scorers. And the thing with Harden is that, remember, he led the league in assists last year. So I think I'm fine having a game where Harden gets 15 points with 11 assists. Like, that would be great. And to have PG and Kawhi end up in the 20s and scoring, and then Russell Westbrook can be that guy that gets 8 to 12 points and gets rebounds and gets assists and steals, and then who knows. But the thing is that, those guys, all four of those guys could very well have larger point totals if you stagger them. Because if they're playing with different groups and they're playing with Norm Powell and T-Man and Zoo, like those guys most likely are not going to go off each night with Norm Powell, T-Man and Zoo. Like th- those guys will score and probably combine for what, 30 points, 40 points. It just, I mean, it doesn't matter. You'll, who knows? And it depends night to night. But like you said, I think you want to have those two guys that are your go-tos. And PG and Kawhi, I think, should be those two guys. And... Even now, before the Harden trade, they there were nights when Harden would get, I mean, uh, PG would get hot, and PG would be the one that took over in a third quarter. And then it'd be times where Kawhi took over, and those guys evened out eventually. They'd have very similar shot attempts, 
and they both knew that they were the guys. And I think that still needs to be the case. So I think that needs to be figured out. And I think that's part of why Harden was so passive initially was he was just trying to get everybody else involved. And he won't have to do that as much if he's not playing with Westbrook and he's not playing with Kawhi and PG all the time. So they've got to figure that out. And you look and PG had the third uh, most shots of the guys who we're talking about. And the fewest shots was Harden. And listen, a game like today, 17-3-6 with a steal for James Harden, fine. I mean, that's that's a couple more assists. Um, I think I'll play a few more minutes. A couple more assists and maybe a couple more free throws. And you're in business there. So it's just about figuring out how Kawhi and PG can be the bulk of your offense. Yeah, and especially st- staggering is something you're going to have to figure out until there's about eight to six minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then it's what you want is it's PG and Kawhi time. Of course, Harden's going to be in there assisting and getting to the line if he still can with all the new rules. But you want those two to be your closers. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that that couldn't be the case today because there was nothing to close. Uh, the game was already over. But moving forward, and I agree with you, it just you, you want it to be established that those are your two guys. Harden, yes, you're right. A few more assists um, down the line. And that's going to that's going to come with familiarity with everyone and practices. So no reason to panic. Um, I just think. There were some encouraging signs, like you said, 17, six and three with a steal, a couple of threes, uh, looked good, looked engaged. It's just it's just going to be a matter of the lineup. And really, the most alarming thing about today is Plumlee's injury. Yeah, yeah, it hurts the second unit a lot. I mean, how many times last year were we clamoring to have a backup big? And then finally, Plumlee came along. We're like, all right, this is exactly what you were missing. And so to have Plumlee not in the fold anymore, um, you got to figure that out. You got to bring somebody in that can be that backup big. Like I, I'm pretty confident in saying that this team will not work with just Zoo as the big. Like you need to have somebody else. It, it you absolutely have to, right? And one thing about Plumlee too, you said he was a plus ten. I think it's a certain dynamic. I always call him a uh, point Plumlee because when he gets the ball, he pushes like he. Every time it seems like every time he gets a rebound, he rebound, he pushes that ball down the floor. And that's a different look for us for a big, especially. And then for that second unit who really can get out and go, especially if you insert Westbrook in there. And then you've got like Norm and you've got some people, some more athletic guys running up and down with Plummy. That, that's another dynamic that he gives that even with another backup big, you, you bring him in. It's going to be hard to find that sort of energy and that pushing the ball after a rebound. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how the Clippers address that um, and how they do in their next game uh, against Brooklyn. And listen, every game there's going to be more we're going to learn about this team and because they're going to learn more about each other. And so we'll see how they do. And that game against Brooklyn is on Wednesday since there are no games tomorrow because of Election Day. Um, so get out and vote. Um, then the next game is going to be against Brooklyn on Wednesday and then at Dallas on Friday. So we'll see how the Clippers do um, in those two ball games, uh, don't know exactly when we're going to do a podcast uh, next. Um, I know I said last week that we're going to try and go in over the weekend. We weren't able to make that work, so we'll see. But um, I wanted to make sure we got a podcast out to you after this game, so we could kind of discuss how James Harden's debut went. And uh, I think as a player, Harden was good, but I think this team has a lot to figure out. Yeah, Harden Harden looked great as a player. You know, it's it's going to take time. I know there's going to be 
a knee-jerk reaction to say perhaps the sky is falling. What did the Clippers do? You know, of course we miss Rocco and Batum. But the fact of the matter is, unfortunately, they're not on the team anymore. Harden is. So we're going to figure out how to move forward. And we still have Harden. We still have Westbrook. And most importantly, we still have PG and Kawhi. So even though it sucks to lose to the Knicks tonight, things are still, the arrow is still pointed up in Clipperland, I believe. Definitely, definitely. So we'll see how they do against Brooklyn, <clears throat> against a team that is more wing heavy. Um, and apparently Nick, Nick Claxton is out for a while, so that certainly helps the Clippers. Um, not having Claxton in the fold because that's a big that could have caused them some problems. So obviously with Bridges, um, we'll see how he does against the wings of Kawhi and PG. Um, and Brooklyn's an interesting team because you look at their team and they've got guys that can certainly score. Um, they've got Cam Thomas, who has been unbelievable to start this season. You've got Dorian Finney-Smith. Ben Simmons, we'll see what he's got. And then, of course, got Spencer Dinwiddie. So a lot of scores. I just think the Clippers match up well, much better with Brooklyn than they do New York. Um, so I'm expecting the Clippers to have a good game against Brooklyn, but we'll see. Um, so they'll have a day off, and they'll play again on Wednesday in Brooklyn and then uh, against Dallas. So we'll see when we do a pod, either between that game or hopefully uh, over the weekend, and we'll talk about those two games that have gone. So until next time, he is Matt Matamorin. Matt Matamorin on Twitter. X, whatever. I am at BD Marcus. Of course, you can follow the Ethos Clippers podcast on that platform as well. If you can rate and review the podcast, give us that five-star rating and drop a nice review. It certainly does help this podcast as we continue to have it grow. Harden's debut ends up in a loss, but a lot of good things to come. So, Matt, any final words? Uh, just speaking of the rate and reviews and the X Twitter, thank you, everybody, for listening and who does engage with us. It's it's a lot of fun. Always enjoy I always enjoy talking to anybody who listens. There's a Clippers fan who just wants to talk. I always do enjoy it, and it blows my mind that anybody would actually want to talk to me. So thank you. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, I love talking to you. Now the people love talking to you. It's, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, I, I second that. It's always great when people end up dropping in, dropping in my mentions and talking Clippers. It's always fun responding to those tweets. So until next time, he's Matt. I'm Brandon. And go Clips. Go Clips. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.